As Taiwan racks up medal in Tokyo, people around the world have begun noticing its unusual Olympic name, Chinese Taipei. An American congressman says it's time to stop appeasing Beijing and time to let Taiwan compete as Taiwan. So far, more than 130,000 people around the world have signed an online petition titled Let Taiwan Be Taiwan. Taiwan is on a roll at this year's Olympics. Last Saturday, its men's badminton team defeated China to win gold, putting the name Chinese Taipei in global headlines. Lindell Lucy, an American living in Japan, has long advocated against the name Chinese Taipei. In an op-ed written to the Taipei Times earlier this year, he said that every country besides Taiwan is allowed to use its own name, its own flag, and its own national anthem at the Olympics. He said that for 40 years, Taiwanese athletes have had to endure, quote, the humiliation of competing as representatives of an imaginary country, Chinese Taipei, and carrying a fake national flag while an alternative national anthem plays in the background. Lucy has launched an online petition calling on the International Olympic Committee to let Taiwan compete as Taiwan. Already, the petition has collected more than 130,000 signatures. You saw what happened at the opening ceremony. They probably knew that this would make controversy. They could have eliminated the controversy if they wanted to. They could have just, you know, let Taiwan go in under the chest sound, but they didn't. They chose to do it this way, and I think that's no coincidence. Taiwan's Olympic name has also drawn attention from U.S. Congressman Don Bacon of Nebraska. On social media, Bacon shared a link to an article on Taiwan's badminton victory. Congrats to Taiwan on winning the gold medal. Our friends should be able to use their flag and national anthem, though. We should stop appeasing the communist government in Beijing. WTO or APEC. The WTO, APEC, and other organizations don't officially refer to Taiwan as Taiwan. They use all sorts of names, such as Chinese Taipei or separate customs territory. The IOC does take into consideration how other international organizations handle this issue. So whether the push comes from Taiwan, the U.S., or others in the international community, I think that change will be very difficult in the short term. Pundit Ross Feingold says China has far-reaching clout in the international community. Although Taiwan's Olympic name is starting to draw global attention, the road to change will be a long one. Taiwan's success at the Tokyo Olympics is fuel for lots of retail and hospitality promotions. One restaurant is offering free meals for customers who have Olympic-related characters in their names. If your Chinese name has the character for gold, silver or bronze, you're in for a treat. At another coffee shop, there's a very different bargain on offer. If uh, Team Taiwan can garner any more medals, the shop will give away hundreds of their coffees for free. Pork is tipped into a wok and stir-fried with tomato and Chinese basil to create a fragrant Thai pad krapao. Meanwhile, a refreshing green papaya salad is rustled up in a wooden mortar. Both these dishes could be yours for free. Taiwan's athletes have got great results at the Tokyo Olympics. This restaurant is offering a special offer. If your name includes the character for gold, silver or bronze, you can enjoy a buy one get one free offer. If you have two or more golds in your name, take an order on the house. Any name with gold, silver or bronze in it, or even a character containing the gold radical, wins you buy one get one free green papaya salad and a handshake. Shake and drink. 
This gentleman has a character meaning prosperous in his name. It's made of three gold radicals piled up in a pyramid. Those three golds qualify him for a free dish from the restaurant and a free drink. Definitely, lots of my friends have a gold radical in their name. I'd like to get everyone together and come and enjoy the offer. Everyone is happy when we get a gold in Tokyo. So we thought, if everyone's happy, let's offer a giveaway. If a customer brings in any form of identification, be it an NHI card, ID card, or any named identification, they can claim the discount. Taiwan's Tokyo Metal Hall is already an all-time record. This coffee shop is celebrating, too. If Team Taiwan wins just one more gold medal, the shop will offer the public 500 free black coffees, a silver will unleash 300 more, and a bronze 200. More medals equals more caffeine. It's a way to boost sales. Lots of drink shops, restaurants, loiter shops and the like have all got some promotions on because of the gold medals. The last year of COVID life has been tough on the food and drink industry. Now that we're in level two, it's time to make the most of it. And if customers need some encouragement, riding the coattails of Taiwan's sporting success is a popular strategy. Taiwan recently joined a new global health organization called the Reform for Resilience Commission. On Tuesday, President Tsai Ing-wen received some of the group's members, including her former Vice President Chen Jianren and Acer founder Stan Shi. I want to thank you all for your efforts to share the lessons learned in Taiwan and the Asia-Pacific region with the world to strengthen both domestic and international disease prevention efforts while also helping to promote Taiwan's global ties. Your work concerns the crucial challenge of resilience in the post-pandemic era. Taiwan has indeed faced many challenges recently, but we have withstood them one by one, demonstrating the resilience of Taiwanese society. I have often called Taiwan an island of resilience. The Reform for Resilience Commission was founded earlier this year to create policy proposals that, quote, integrate health and economics to prepare for the post-COVID world. It brings together political, business, and public leaders from Europe, the U.S., and the Asia-Pacific. Its Asia-Pacific center is based in Taipei. Taoyuan City signed a sister city agreement with the U.S. city of Newark Tuesday morning. Due to the pandemic, the two mayors of Taoyuan and Newark signed the agreement together in an online ceremony. Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenchan said both cities have an international airport and are important hubs for transport and freight. He said he looked forward to furthering city-to-city exchanges in tourism, uh, commerce and transport. That's great. Thank you. The mayors of Taoyuan and Newark hold up contracts as they share a stage virtually, posing for a commemorative photo. The two sides are now sister cities. It's another milestone for city-to-city diplomacy between Taiwan and the U.S. Taoyuan and Newark are both cities that pursue diversity, openness, and better economic livelihoods for their people. I very much look forward to promoting exchanges between Taiwan and the United States after today's meeting. Uh, We look forward to making sure as Newark develops uh, and continues to grow its population, its people, its technology, its economy, its housing, uh, its business. And I'm happy uh, that we're, we're your first 
just a city here uh, in the east coast of the United States. Separated by time zones and the Pacific Ocean, the cities held a virtual signing ceremony on Tuesday. The city of Newark, New Jersey is located close to New York City. It's densely populated and, like Taoyuan, is home to an international airport and related industries like aviation, shipping, warehousing and logistics. It's now Taoyuan's 15th sister city and Taoyuan's first on the U.S. East Coast. We're a great leader. With our leader, who's our, our leader in the city of Newark, Mayor Baraka, the members of the council, we work together to make sure that we can partner in sister city relationships for now and the future. In the future, we can promote exchanges related to the airport. Newark is also a very suitable place on the East Coast for business investment and for establishing corporate branches. We hope to have extensive exchanges after the epidemic. Taoyuan's mayor presented a gift to his Newark counterpart, a gray figurine in the shape of a loop, its end stamped with the emblems of Taoyuan and Newark. The work symbolizes two cities from opposite ends of the Pacific Ocean, connecting over their similarities. After the epidemic, the two sides hope to exchange in-person visits and to establish direct flights that support more bilateral exchanges. Taiwan reported 16 local COVID cases and two deaths on Tuesday. Starting this Thursday, about 520,000 people will be able to make an appointment for the Moderna COVID vaccine. Appointments can be made by 68,000 people in the first three priority groups and pregnant women who need a second dose of Moderna. Also eligible are 451,000 people in the ninth and 10th priority groups who need their first dose. Let's hear from the Central Epidemic Command Center. What I was talking about just now is the fifth round of appointments. The fifth round of vaccines will be administered from August 11th to August 17th. When it's time to make an appointment, we will send a message from the 1922 number. You can arrange an appointment between 10 a.m. on August 5th and noon August 7th when you receive the text message. Also on Tuesday, the CCC said that more AstraZeneca vaccines will be distributed to local governments with a shortage. The vaccines will be offered to people who already have an appointment before August 6, with priority for junior and senior high school teachers, pram school employees and people who need their second dose. Taiwan biotech firm Medigen estimates that its COVID-19 vaccine has a protective efficacy of 80 to 90 percent. A company representative said the estimate is based on antibody levels produced by its COVID vaccine, which are up to four times higher than levels produced by AstraZeneca. As of Tuesday afternoon, about 997,000 people have put themselves on the wait list for a Taiwan-made COVID vaccine developed by Medigen Biologics. On Tuesday, a new section appeared on the CDC's official website with facts about Medigen's COVID vaccine. With just weeks to go before the national rollout, Internet users poured over every detail. What they couldn't find was information about its efficacy, which is provided for AstraZeneca, Pfizer and Moderna. There is no data on its protective efficacy because Medigen has not gone through a phase 3 clinical trial. We can't just produce a figure out of thin air. It was authorized for emergency use through immunobridging, through a comparison with the AstraZeneca vaccine. 
Compared to the AZ vaccine, our vaccine produced antibody concentrations that were more than three times higher, even four. Going off the numbers we have now, our scientists have been able to make a reasonable and conservative estimate that the vaccine offers between 80% and 90% protection. Although health officials didn't give a number, Medigen claims its vaccine offers up to 90% protection, comparable to other COVID vaccines. Another concern raised has been about adverse reactions. Two rare adverse reactions listed by Medigen are facial nerve paralysis and elevated eye pressure. One case of each was reported during the Phase two trial, which involved 4,000 people. During the trial, these cases were reported as adverse events. These were adverse events that happened following vaccination. In terms of chronological order, the situation happened after vaccination. This is just to let everyone know. The subject who developed facial paralysis also developed a respiratory infection, but has fully recovered from both conditions. Officials say no link was found between the vaccine and the adverse reactions. The health minister also took questions on the 265,000 Medigen vaccines that cleared government inspection on Monday. There were four batches, three comprising 86,000 vaccines each and one with just 5,417 doses. Reporters asked whether the lot difference was because some of the vaccines were rejected. Chen said the batches were made using different reaction tanks. Medigen has two kinds of reaction tanks. One has a capacity of two liters and the other 50 liters. Right now, they are using the 2-liter and the 50-liter ones. The health chief moved to assure reporters over the Medigen vaccine. According to meeting records from the vaccine's EUA review, some experts who approved it had questioned its protective efficacy against COVID variants. Medigen has responded, saying that all COVID vaccines show reduced effectiveness against variants, but that its vaccine should still be able to offer 80% protection against severe COVID symptoms. Taiwan's high-speed rail says it will add 73 trips to its schedule starting Friday to meet demand during rush hour and weekends. Train capacity will remain capped at 70 percent so that passengers can maintain a safe social distance. A passenger completes real name registration before heading to the platform. Even with the COVID alert lowered to level 2, public health measures are still firmly in place. With crowds slowly returning to public transport, commuters have complained that they can't get standard seats during rush hour. In response, the HSR is adding more services. Adding services or cars would make it more convenient. It's good, because there are still some people who need to go back. Capacity will still be capped at 70 percent as per pandemic guidelines. But from Friday, the HSR will add 73 trips a week for a total of 629. That's 55 more services between Monday and Thursday and 18 more Friday to Sunday. As before, only reserved seating will be sold. Capacity has been capped at 70 percent and passengers have to sit spaced apart so ridership is low. I think it's okay that they're adding 70 services a week. It's not like hordes of people will be crammed inside each train. They'll still be keeping everyone at a safe distance. I approve of this approach. 
the transport sector was hit hard by Taiwan's COVID outbreak. Last month, the HSR, Taipei Metro and five other rail operators saw ridership drop by more than 60% on average compared to the year before. The worst hit rail operator was the HSR, where ridership fell by 88%. But with COVID subsiding in Taiwan, the HSR has high hopes for cashing in on returning passengers. The Level 3 alert has pushed unemployment in Taiwan up to a 10-year high. Labor activists say that Taiwan has never seen before so many jobs lost in just a few weeks. Now the government has a new three-pronged three strategy to help create jobs. Temporary part-time jobs will be created at government offices, and generous subsidies will reward job seekers for taking up roles, as well as rewarding businesses for taking on new employees. Ms. Ma inputs data into a computer. 26 years old, she has a temporary position in a local government office. Before this, she worked in the restaurant industry, but lost her job due to the pandemic. With the help of a job seeker's office, she found this role, which leaves enough time to keep looking for another opportunity. Ms. Ma is hardly the only one in a situation like this. The pandemic has destroyed many jobs. Now the Ministry of Labor has released a three-pronged response. One promise is 20,000 new temporary jobs at local or central government offices, with wages of 160 NT an hour, up to 80 hours a month. They could offer a monthly income of up to 12,800 NT. Secondly, businesses will be encouraged to create jobs by a 10,000 NT subsidy payable two months after the new role is created, and another 10,000 NT two months after that. Finally, there's a subsidy for unemployed people who find a job, 5,000 NT a month for the first six months, then 10,000 NT a month after that, up to a maximum of 108,000 NT. All those subsidies together add up to a maximum 128,000 NT. There are so many people on unpaid furlough right now. I think it's great if the government provides these opportunities and gives you this monthly income. This wave of unemployment has been very sudden and harsh. It's created a situation where the unemployment rate's gone up massively in a single month. That didn't even happen during the financial crisis of 2008 and 2009. The Directorate General of Budget, Accounting and Statistics says the unemployment rate grew by 4.8% in June, leaving 570,000 adults jobless, a 10-year high. Since the Level 3 alert began, 3,679 companies have placed almost 45,000 workers on unpaid leave. While the government has scrambled to offer stimulus packages and subsidies, many people are still in a very tight spot. The Guandua Fine Arts has reopened its doors to the public with a solo exhibition by Philippine artist uh, Marina Cruz. The exhibition titled Tide Tables features hyper-realistic paintings, embroideries and photographs with a distinctly Philippine twist. It will be the first museum show in Taiwan for the award-winning artist who says it took more than two years to get the show ready. Tide Table has opened at the Guandu Museum of Fine Arts, showcasing works by Filipino artist Marina Cruz in collaboration with the Mindset Art Center. The art pieces are inspired by Cruz's upbringing in Bulacan. On display are realistic paintings of vintage clothes hand-sewn by elders in Cruz's family. The works are rich with details, showcasing the fabric's folds, creases, and stitches. 
Small notes are attached to each painting, describing memories that Cruz associates with each dress. The work shown here will will be able to provide some insights on how important our spaces now are, our bubbles, our home, how important our family and the friends that we surround us with, and the, the importance also of our relationship with it, with ourselves. This painting is called Embodied of Landscapes of Eliza. Eliza is Marina's mother, so she picked the dress the mother wore in her edge four and you can see she put all together of the life stories onto the canvas. There are 94 works on display including canvas paintings, fabric collages, embroidery and laminated photos inspired by Cruz's family history. The collection features works from throughout her artistic career which spans over 20 years. Through this show I was able to understand my process better, my ideas and the themes. So um, I saw how ideas evolve and change and how themes and subject matter appear, reappear in different forms and expressions. The exhibition was curated by Dr. Patrick Flores, who will also be the curator for the Taiwan Pavilion at the 2022 Venice Biennale. Uh, the viewing experience is imagined to be intimate and reflective. The global emergency has exposed us to anxiety if not to panic and trauma. The encounter with the quiet scenes of simple things that families share can renew the hope for togetherness in the near future. The exhibition will be on display at the Guandu Fine Art Museum until October 17th. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Ling Dongming in New Taipei. Water was released from the Jiayi County Stenwen Reservoir on Tuesday to keep it from overflowing after days of heavy rain. The water spewing from the dam was a majestic sight that attracted spectators. Sunwan Reservoir is the largest in the country, with a capacity of about 500 million cubic meters. The last time it was so full that water had to be released was in 2019. During the worst of this year's drought, the reservoir had dried up to just 4% capacity.